And welcome back to The Athlete's Pursuit. This is the first episode of 2022. And my guest today is none other than my brother, Chris Radonis. Uh, I'm very excited to have him on. I've been wanting to have him on the show for a while. And so it was a great time to dive in to talk about uh, his journey. Uh, him and I always have really great conversations. We talk almost daily. We're very close to each other. And uh, we help each other with everything going on in life. And so a lot of these conversations we have, uh, I thought we could share some of it. And specifically, I wanted to dive into his athletic journey because uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and, I, and I think it shows, you know, his relationship to training and how it's changed through the years. Uh, he was able to cheer. He was a cheerleader in college and he got uh, accepted at the University of Kentucky, which is an absolute powerhouse in the cheerleading world. If you know anything about the cheerleading universe, the University of Kentucky has been uh, one of the absolute best to do it, uh, especially when he was going to school there. He won two national titles um, and the school itself, I, th I believe, has won over 20. Uh, just an absolute powerhouse of a program. So it was amazing to see his rise into this universe because it was, it was not planned. Uh, so we talk a little bit about his uh, journey to get into uh, UK, uh, the progression while he was at school, talking a little bit about some of their lifting programs, what it was like for him uh, just developing himself with the skill set, but also just his uh, you know physical performance. And then uh, very interestingly, uh, talking about the transition away from college, uh, which a lot of athletes struggle with having such a structured program and this team support and then going into the quote unquote real world uh, where he's been very successful, by the way, from a business side, he is currently a chief revenue officer, um, was a COO uh, all around the age of uh, 30, 31 years old. So he started that uh, very young and, uh, you know, still only about 34. So this guy has been doing amazing things professionally. And uh, I've always uh, loved our conversations about leadership and responsibility and some of the mindset things that we uh, try to approach in life. Because it's not just about how you succeed. I think it's also about uh, or, or what you succeed. It's also about how you do it, um, how you carry yourself in this. And uh, we're going to share some of these mindset tips. So please enjoy this episode. Uh, we really get into it about the halfway mark on this episode. And uh, uh, just love the conversation. Hope you get some great value from it. And thanks again for listening. Let's dive on in. All right, here we go. Athletes Pursuit is back in business in 2022. And with me for our very first guest of the year is someone that well, I've known my entire, well, that's not true, almost my entire life. My brother, Chris Radonis. Welcome, welcome to the show. What an honor for you. It's good to be here. Yeah, I've known you my entire life. You have. I've got that going for me. You yeah. have. I had about a year and a half of just pure bliss. Life was... The Bears won the Super Bowl. Things were as they should. And then, well, you just kind of came out of nowhere and you fucked shit up, didn't you? Yeah, that's true. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago hasn't been the same since. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, I wanted to have you on because, uh, you know, I love I love picking on you. I love making fun of you. Uh, for one, that's always a good time for me. And then... perfect. And then second, uh, you have quite the athletic background, which growing up with you is hilarious to think that you have one of those. 
That is true. <laughs> <laughs> no debate, no argument there. Right. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. So for for context, uh, when when we were growing up, uh, I was always like the athlete in the family. So my father, my father was our coach, and and I, I played primarily baseball. You know, but we did football too. And when I was growing up playing baseball, uh, I forget what year it was, Chris, maybe junior high or something like that. I think Dad had you come in, and you were playing baseball too, and he you know, uh, what you're a year and a half, almost two years behind me, right. In age. So dad had you step up and play in my league instead of your own. You remember that season? Yeah. Which I had zero coordination. Uh, I remember you would quiz me on, uh, cities or team names and ask me if they were baseball or basketball teams and I, or football. And I had no idea. So I didn't exactly (laughs) follow sports or, or play them. <laughs> I just remember playing catch with you. We were like, all right, just throw it right here. And like, somehow you were looking at the target and the ball went completely 90 degrees to the right. And we were like, how did you even do that? Yeah. Thank God. My abilities eventually caught up. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so, so this is, let's dive into this. I want to, um, obviously I want to talk about your athletic background and, and what you've done. And, uh, it was a pretty cool story of how we even got there. I, I kind of alluded to it on one of our episodes, uh, maybe a year or so ago where Chris and I were cheerleaders at one point. So, uh, this is always a fun story. You want to talk about how you even got into cheerleading and where it led you to? Well, I mean, it started with you getting into cheerleading. Uh, then I kind of fell suit, uh, which was a funny story since you got into it. Uh, wasn't that the the athletes that helped the cheerleader at that one event? And then uh, eventually well, we yeah, both jumped into it. It was crazy. It was our business teacher, right? Cliff Watanuki. Yeah. Cliff Watanuki. Watanuki. So he... There was uh, one of our friends, I think, got suspended because he punched somebody <laughs> at a sporting event. He punched him in the face. Two of making, them. For making two fun of, of cheerleaders. Yeah. Oh, for it was two? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Frankie, the tall guy, too. Oh, shoot. Okay. So it was two guys. All right. So I just, but I do remember they had like a nationals competition or something like that they were trying to qualify for. And Cliff Wadanuki goes, yeah, so two of our guys punched people in the face because they were making fun of cheerleaders. And I, in a way, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> so so we stepped in so he asked us to step in and it started I guess with me to be like can you fill in so I did and did you come in for that competition or was it after the fact yeah it was the same one because uh, they knew that second person so I think you kind of offered or however it ended up stirring up I did it with you and we did that competition they qualified for Myrtle Beach and yeah, we were no. like well we're, we're not going to do the entry stuff and qualify and not go to the nationals. So <laughs> let's yeah, stick I mean, around. We're, we're not going to not have a good time here. Like we just helped you guys get here. We're traveling, right? We're going to go to South Carolina. So, yeah. Uh, so we, we do. And that was, that was a good time. I think we did pretty well. I, I, I know we didn't get first, but maybe, I don't know. Was it like third, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. We, we played. So it was a good time. Good. All right. So, you know, we fast forward a little bit. So I graduate cause that was my last year. Right. And, and I'm not doing, I, I go to Indiana, I just start, I just start business school. I'm pretty much going into that route. I'm like, all right, you know, I guess, you know, athletics are behind me. So, uh, but you continue going, uh, and I love this story and I want to hear, I want to hear more about your journey about like what happened in the early stages of cheerleading and how this even grew into what it grew into. 
Well, I think it's worth noting uh, when we got into cheerleading, we were both playing other sports still. Uh, I was yeah. in wrestling, and uh, so I would go from wrestling practice, which ended at 6, and uh, cheerleading practice started at 6.30. I would go from one practice to the other. Um, that's, that was my sophomore year, your senior year. Yeah. Uh, then I did both wrestling and cheerleading into my junior year when I decided to come back, um, which was kind of funny because in cheerleading you want to put on strength and you want to put on size and in wrestling you want to stay in your weight class and stay small and skinny kind of competing priorities <laughs> uh and some of the some of the girls in uh cheerleading were bigger than me i mean i thought uh, i think i was wrestling at 145 i wasn't exactly a a, a big guy yeah, puberty you skinny you were skinny Puber- yeah puberty caught up late to me in life <laughs> you and me both pal i mean we were both skinny we were both like <laughs> string beans you know going into uh, even our later years in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember that sophomore year trying to do a chair, uh, which is, you know, the most basic cheerleading, uh, co-ed skill that you can do and you learn with, and then trying to do it tossed hands. And, yeah. uh, the girls were just as big as me, uh, or so it felt, um, didn't have a lot of muscle and zero coordination. That's why I was in wrestling. I couldn't throw a ball, couldn't catch a ball. So I could, uh, at least wrestle. I will say there's uh, something about you, like watching you wrestle, like you do have this, uh, and this is a theme I think in your entire life, which is why I'm so, I think this is such a cool story about your progression because you always were incredibly focused and so determined. Like you just did not have quit in you. Like when you did these things where it just relied on like wrestling is such a gritty, gritty sport, right? Like you're learning technique and all this stuff, but there's such an aspect to it that is just mental of like, I'm just not giving up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it totally is. Uh, it's just you and that other person. And that's what wasn't ever the best at it, but, uh, I loved it. Um, and I loved what it represented. Uh, I mean, I kind of felt like I was, uh, picked on a lot growing up as yeah. a kid. Um, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Brian, our cousin, uh, was big into wrestling and, uh, that, kind of gave me something to look up to mainly because of what it represented on like uh strength and holding your own so that's why i got into lifting i got into just getting stronger uh to uh make it an even playing field and i was just determined i knew i could control that so that's what uh Mm. kept driving me just to do more and more Hmm. what what um what really caught your interest to even stay in cheerleading because we did it for fun like we had a fun year Right. And we traveled, but you continue to stay with it. Like, why would you even stay in it? If, if you have wrestling, you're growing in that sport, right? Uh, what made you stick it out? I, uh, the fun aspect, uh, it brought, uh, a different team dynamic into my, uh, thoughts on sports. Athletic is a team, or sorry, wrestling is a team sport, but uh, you're out there performing solo, you versus whoever you're with. And cheerleading got into uh, a different level of sport that I really enjoyed. Uh, The camaraderie of the people and uh, the culture of the team, since it is uh, 10 guys, 10 girls, and Mm -hmm. uh, the different support you get out of that and it was fun to practice and it was fun to lift and it was fun to train. Uh, but we all had a common goal, uh, that we could go out there and do. 
Um, and they, they pushed you and cheered you on and helped you grow your skills, uh, which was, it brought joy into uh, athletics again for me, which was, which was starting to die out and miss with wrestling. Wrestling was always go in there, kill the guy. And it was, it was an angry <laughs> environment, if you will. It was. Uh, so I wanted, uh, when I found that way of having fun with sports again, it really drew me in and it was a great time. Not to mention, uh, it was the teammates were, uh, a joy to be around. We honestly, I think got lucky with that. Cause I know in high school, there's not a lot of male cheerleaders, right? It's kind of few and far between. I, it might've changed, uh, over the years since we've been out of high school. But uh, at that time, it was fairly uncommon. Like, it was still, it was kind of picking up popularity. But, I mean, we're in Chicago, right? It's not the South. And I know it was more popular in the South. In the south. Um, but we had a roster of, like, 10, 11 guys on this cheerleading team. So you had... Very was, rare. Right? Very rare. Yeah, it was yeah. incredibly rare. It used to be, like, maybe one or two. But we had a full team, right? So it did make it a lot of fun. Like, we had a pretty cool opportunity there. Uh, to learn uh, in a different way. So even for me, I knocked it off as, I'm like, this is not a sport. But then when you get into it, I'm like, wow, this is, there's way more to it than most people understand. Oh, yeah. Uh, still to this day, despite uh, it gets a lot more recognition uh, nowadays than it ever has. But uh, with them opening up for the Winter Olympics, uh, University of Kentucky and Team USA, um, but still people don't understand the athletic abilities and that those athletes go through. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's been wild to watch. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit and I want to make sure that people understand right now, uh, what you did in high school and the transformation is insane. So like to help you guys understand, like I, I would probably say that I had like a more natural athleticism, right. With like throwing, hitting those types of skills uh, Chris had like this, this grittiness about him. And so it took you a little bit longer, I think, to learn a skill. But once you got it, it's like you mastered it. Like you just kept practicing and practicing, repetition, repetition. So I remember like you couldn't do a back tuck for a long time. The whole team was like trying to work with you. Um, you know, you, you mentioned starting with a chair and then like you're progressing to toss hands, right? Um, and there's such a determination with you that you were like junior year. I think you were like, I'm going to keep working, keep practicing. And you got to a point where you started to get pretty good at this. And I remember you going, didn't you go to like a pro gym at the time? Right? Yeah. An all-star gym. Yeah. An all-star yeah. Gym. What made you hunt that out? Like when did you get to that progression? Cause this, this starts you going towards the college route. Like how did this even come about? Yeah, well, there was uh, there was two things uh, with cheerleading. What I learned, especially with my lack of body coordination and awareness, came out with uh, learning gymnastics and cheerleading. Uh, like I couldn't even figure out a round off. I kept doing this weird cartwheel thing. Uh, but I, it was fun because I learned, hey, it's just me in here. I can do this over and over and over and over. Uh, and I don't need to wait. I don't need to wait to go up against anybody. I don't need to do anything. This is just me. I can do this. Um, and I realized like that was almost, it was almost a flip in my brain, uh, switching my brain that I flipped of, Oh, if I just do more reps than anybody else, um, as long as I get the skill, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, they could get it earlier, but if I just keep doing it, we'll end up in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, 
to me, I remember vividly, it started with a roundoff where I was like, well, if I just keep doing this, those people might have it now, but I will if I just keep going. Um, and I kept doing that my entire athletic career. Uh, to this day, that's my philosophy now. I'll just keep going, even though I'm not, may not be there uh, at the same starting line as you, but I'll, I'll finish with you. Yeah. It's not ahead. And yeah. so I think what made me hunt down that all-star gym was, Turn senior year, uh, I decided to stop wrestling and uh, focus on cheerleading. I was starting to get good. I was starting to get stronger. I was growing into my body a little bit. Um, but I looked up some other gyms thinking, well, okay, this is what high school cheerleading is. I've heard about these all-star gyms. Uh, I want to practice more. Well, I think cheerleading was practicing two or three times a week. And I was like, well, I have all this extra time. Mm. Let's uh, see what else we can do since we're not wrestling. So I Literally, uh, I remember sitting down at the computer, and I it was a Wednesday evening. It was about six six p.m., and I typed in the most uh, generic all star cheerleading gym name I could think of, uh, and I typed in Cheerex Illinois. And lo and behold, there was a Cheerex gym. So you don't even thirty minutes. Thirty minutes away from me. <laughs> you don't even understand how to properly use Google. Like you thought you had to guess the name to get it. Yeah, yeah I was just like, "What's a what's an all star name that sounds like a cheerleading gym?" And uh, that was it. <laughs> Slips your mind that you can type in cheerleading all star gyms. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I yeah. didn't know that you found it that way. That's so funny. <laughs> I find I find a website and they have an open gym at uh, 7 p.m. when one hour. And I was like, well, I'll just get in the car and I'll go to this open gym. Um, and I do. So I get in the car. I drive to the open gym, uh, pay them $10 to get in there. And they're excited to see another guy. Um, and they were awesome. They were welcoming right off the bat. Uh, they could see, uh, I think that I, I think they saw potential in me, but I was definitely rough around the edges which is kind of my life story. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, we had a fun time. We were just stunting around with girls. Um, I wasn't the best still at gymnastics and tumbling. Uh, they were helping me out with that. And I met one guy. Uh, I met several guys on that trip. Melvin, Jeff, uh, but Dan Boonavong and Camille Locke, who really helped me with stunting. But Dan Boonavong, we call him Tan Dan. Uh, I met him there and he told me that he was going to go to uh, a clinic down at university of Kentucky uh, and that I should think about going. Um, and I met him at my first open gym there. And what was your reaction when he was like, yo, you want to go to UK and do this tryout? No, uh, hell no. Uh, I'm not <laughs> doing, I'm not doing cheerleading in college. At, so I mean, so I'm going to, you had no, you had no like inkling of pursuing this. This is a hobby. This is a fun hobby and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) So how does it happen? So I keep going to, uh, cheer X and I get on their all-star team to put me on and we go to, uh, Orlando and we do nationals and, uh, they teach me a standing full and I'm just having a blast. And Dan comes back and he comes back to another open gym and he's like, Hey man, you should really think about this. We're going in. It's this weekend. It was another Wednesday open gym. Uh, and I go home. I'm like, I'm good, man. Um, but I look up University of Kentucky on YouTube. Uh, and I just read about them. And I see these videos of people doing insane 
uh, co-ed cheerleading skills that I didn't even know were physically possible. Uh, and I thought I, I thought I was so good at the time. I, I was doing hands, cupies and uh, toss extensions and things. Rewinds uh, to me were the pinnacle where they do a backflip into your hands. Um, you throw them into a backflip and they land on your hands. That was uh, to me what would have been amazing skill to get. And then University of Kentucky is doing it with one hand, yeah. a full squad of these guys doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was blown away. I was like, all right, well, I'll go to this clinic. Let's see what this is about. So I call uh, Dan the next day and it's Thursday and he's like, Hey, we're leaving in the morning. Yeah, I'll pick you up. So he picks me up and within 24 hours, I'm on the road down to University of Kentucky to go to a stunt clinic, which is, um, which is so cool. Uh, <laughs> It's cool that this happened. And so do you remember what I was doing at this time? Do you remember the state that I was in? I uh, No, remind me. You don't remember? All right. Because we have such opposite, like, <laughs> you're in, like, prime condition, feeling your best going into this thing. I could not be more hungover. I, <laughs> like, so, oh, that, you're talking about tryouts. This was clinics, though. I had to qualify oh, at clinics first. Oh, I thought it was the same thing. Okay. So you had you had this first, and then they invited you to tryouts? Yeah, then he had to get invited to tryouts because Kentucky's a competitive program. I don't know if he knows this or not, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, man. I just thought it was like, all right, cool. Come on over. All right, great. Well, that's even better. So you got invited. Congratulations. Uh, got, got invited and then I uh, decided to go uh, actually try out, which was also another big step because I uh, sent in my acceptance to go to IU. That's where I was going to go and just yeah. uh, go uh, be a frat brother with you. Uh, yeah. But instead, I go try out, and you do come down to tryouts, um, and you uh, were wildly hungover. I remember our dad needed to pick you up off the toilet in your frat house. Yeah, literally, it was one of the worst states I've ever been in. <laughs> I do, I do, I remember the feeling to this day, and it made me not want to drink ever again. I just remember we had a house party at my fraternity the night before, and then Dad's like, "I'm going to come and pick you up, and we're going to drive to Kentucky, go watch your brother's tryouts." And I'm like, "That's no problem." But the party got out of control, and I was just on the toilet the entire night. And Dad was, like, dousing water on me and was like, you're freaking coming. I don't care. I was like, I'm staying. He dragged me. Dude, he <laughs> dragged me. Oh, I felt terrible. But it was amazing watching you. <laughs> it was great. Uh, I think it's more amazing watching everybody else is what you probably mean. Uh, there's a, wow, a lot of talent in that room and in that program. It was a crazy talented group, man. I've never seen anything like it. And like you said, across the board, there was so much talent and they were doing these things that were so advanced and made it look very effortless. Like it opened my eyes to a different world that I did not know existed. Right. I guess that we both didn't know existed. Um, but this tryout, uh, we, I still look at the video on YouTube of you doing your first tryout and yeah, uh, you did amazing. You did so great. Uh, what was did, was it a rewind that you did? No, I did a full up lid hands cupy. Uh, that was my skill to make university of Kentucky. It was absolutely wild. It was wild to watch. Yeah. Um, which was basic, and it's actually captured on uh, Cheerleader U Season 1, Episode 1. Yes, <laughs> right, 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 which is so cool. So Chris pursues this, gets to Kentucky, does this tryout, um, and then it, they're filming at the tryout, yeah? Yeah, it was the first season of uh, Cheerleader 
reality show, the first uh, of its kind. Uh, before Netflix made it famous with Cheer, there was yeah. Cheerleader You. Yeah. And uh, I remember you got interviewed. Right? Were you were you nervous for what? What? I remember one of the one of the girls came up to you, and they had to repeat. The yeah, story. Kelly Dupree, who was one of the like Kentucky girl legends. Um, she was calming me down. I was real nervous. Um, so you know, she was just coaching me through Like, Hey, you're doing fine. Like do your skill. It's going to be great. Um, and then a fan, a film crew runs up to us and they were, they said, Hey, that was awesome. Can you do that conversation again? <laughs> and with a camera in my face and, uh, I was obscenely shy. Uh, it was shocking the, all of it in to begin with. And so that made it even more awkward to then uh, reenact a, a sentimental moment in front of the camera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't know you were going to be acting during your trial too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you, but you did it. You did it. So, <laughs> so the tryout happens, uh, which I'm sure we could go more into, but, but the tryout happens and what, what, what are you waiting? Like, when are you finding out the news? Uh, well, it's a four day long tryout. Um, and there's cuts at the end of every day. Um, and again, I'm by far not the best person, even close to best. And there's a JV squad and a varsity squad are white and blue, uh, blue squads, varsity, white squads, JV. I know I'm not going to make blue, but, uh, we're, they're posting up the numbers and then they end up calling out, um, who's going to make the squad. And, um, I end up getting called, uh, and end up making uh, white squad, uh, which was shocking to me. And, uh, in that shooter, you, they ended up talking about me saying, uh, my life story that, uh, I, I have the outline of a build and I have a lot of potential. Uh, and if they, I get in the program, they might be able to put some meat on me and, uh, work me up into being one of the guys. Yeah. I remember that for sure. I remember that. They were like a little, again, a little rough around the edges, like you said, where they were like, we think yep. we can work with this kid. Yeah. Um, so, so this lays the groundwork for honestly, like, I don't know, man, like watching all of this and then seeing where you are now, I feel like this event that happened in your life was transformational because it set such a foundation and a place, I think, for you to find yourself and to develop yourself to get to where you are today. And I think we got to dive into that a little bit. So you, you make white and you know that you're kind of raw coming in and you know the talent now, right? And you're trying to make blue. I'm, I'm sure you got your eyes on blue, obviously, but you're like, all right, we got some work to do. So where's your head at? Like, what are you doing that first year? What is that even like, right? Being maybe even overwhelmed, with where you are and this being a reality and being like, I got to put some work in. Yeah. Well, there was, um, you know, I think in every athlete and person's and person in general, uh, adventure through life, there's your physical, uh, adventure and then there's your mental, uh, adventure. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of growing to do in both of those. Um, and my freshman year of college at university of Kentucky was, a gut shot to both um, where I was completely out of my comfort zone mentally. Uh, I'm in a new school in a new state with no one from my high school went to the university of Kentucky. So I'm making brand new friends and I was always kind of a loner 
to begin with. Um, so I had to learn how to make friends. Uh, then um, went from thinking that I was good at cheerleading to realize you're not shit uh, and get used to it. Uh, and you need to, you need to put in some work again. Uh, so those were some tough times and some tough pills to swallow. But uh, what I learned was, you know, just get started. Uh, and when you get started, just don't stop until you can come up for air. Yeah. Yeah. There was something I, I, I watched something click in you. Cause that first year, that first year is always tough, right? Even I think for everybody, especially if you go like out of state for college and it's unfamiliar territory. Uh, Cause I felt that way too. My freshman year kind of feel lost and, uh, I remember visiting you your freshman year and you were feeling that way too. Uh, right. And it was like, man, should I be here? Uh, yeah, I wanted to throw in, I wanted to throw in the towel and I was going to transfer again to IU kind of a safety net. I knew that school. I knew people from my high school were there. You were there, but I think everyone needs those, uh, little guardian angels and, uh, mentors and people to help them along their way. And mine was, uh, two guys, Josh Galley and Corey Brown. They kind of, uh, took me under their wing and helped me, uh, become more part of the team and, I was telling them, you know, I didn't feel like I had a social network at University of Kentucky. And they were like, hey, you have 40 brothers and sisters uh, on this team right now that you're not taking advantage of. Um, so let's just scratch that one off uh, and let's get to know these people. Um, and then the rest, they were like, we can improve, improve your skills. But the big mental switch that I think you're talking about was, um, I mean, it was after that first semester when I was a little depressed, you know, everything I was saying. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden seeing these guys and when I decided to commit, I'm staying here, I'm going to do this. So let's make the best of this and figure it out. Um, but when I was living in that shade of gray, knowing that I could leave, knowing that I could uh, go somewhere else, I don't have to do this. It made it really tough. Yeah. No, like burn the boats, right? No way out. Burn the boats. Yep. yep. I've always loved that. Burn the boats, take the island, no way out. I'm just going to make this work. Um, yeah. Like you said, you committed. And, and, and so that flips a switch and then what, what kind of turns into overdrive, man? Like what was your work ethic? Like, cause I, I know that squad in general worked hard. I know you're doing two days, but like, what is your, what's like, what's the routine? Like, like what are you guys getting into with weightlifting and uh, with the skill, with skills practice? Like what, what's the, what's the in season routine looking like for you guys? Oh God. Uh, I mean, there's not a day you're not training. Um, so it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday is uh, weight training with the UK athletic program, uh, 12.15 to 1.15. Uh, and you go in, you know, you don't know what they're throwing at you. Uh, they have your weights uh, posted on the board with what you're doing, how much you're doing. Mm. Uh, there's only one rule. You can't fail. Um, if you put on weight and it's above that mark, you cannot not finish your reps. You're getting that in. Oh shit! Uh, no matter what, um, you're or you're doing more. Wow. Um, so that was simple weightlifting three days a week. Then uh, white squad practice uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, blue squad practice Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, games were always on Saturday during football, and uh, you know whenever they were on. Uh, basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sunday we all would get together uh, for either game day practice or extra practice. Uh, and when your squad wasn't practicing, uh, it was pretty much an unspoken rule that you're going to be at the other squad's practice with your partner uh, practicing wow. um, and getting your skills up. 
demanding. Very yeah. Demanding. So you're you're practicing minimum one day a week uh, or one time a day. Uh, sorry, and uh, a lot of times two times a day. I mean, do you ever feel like it was too much? Uh, n- no, um, no, because of the of the culture and environment you're in. Um, it's kind of it's expected, um, and it's. Uh, it's not too much to when the whole world around you runs that way. That's all, you know. Um, yeah. and the people you're with, you surround yourself with them. You go to cats, which is our study hall, mm-hmm. uh, together. You eat lunch together. You go to class together. You are most likely living together. Uh, so you're training you're on the same schedule. So, uh, the world doesn't look too crazy because you know, your whole world's doing it. That's cool. Yeah. The, all the community that you're in, like this is, this is life, right? And you guys are with each other the entire way. Yeah. And you know, Josh was going to go work out, so might as well join him. And, uh, the crazy ones are the people not working out. Right. Uh, you you just can't imagine a world without it. (laughs) And, uh, so that's, that's what life was is the team environment just kept you going without you even knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think that that's amazing. Uh, and a huge thing, uh, when we're talking about training to, uh, to allude to that, cause that's, you know, that's what I notice in my current environment too, right? Even with myself is that you're not getting in shape uh, alone. Like you're not getting in this level of shape alone. And so you have a whole team around you. You got it like, you got, like you said, people even programming for you and setting the weights, which are like, would be amazing for all of us to have right uh, in the real world. But um, what type, dude, talk about how big you got and how strong, because like you, you evolved. I mean, we went from a skinny kid that what you wrestled at 145 and then, and then you, what, what was the biggest that you got to? Yeah, I think I graduated high school uh, at 165. Um, when I got to UK freshman year, I was at 171. Uh, I vividly remember this and I, I bought, uh, like weight gainer mix, um, that I would go through like every month. <laughs> and I spent uh, all my freshman, uh, year money, um, trying to gain weight. And I think I ended up gra- uh, finishing freshman year at 175. I put on like a whopping one, five pounds. Amazing. Uh, and then sophomore year, uh, comes around and I ended, uh, end up finishing sophomore year at 190. I'm like, I'm getting some traction. Uh, junior year, 195, senior year, I get to, uh, all the way up to 220 is where I ended up senior year. (laughs) (laughs) What was the, what was the change? What was the change from like the, uh, you know, 190 to 220? What what do you think like clicked and and was it a routine that you even changed? Was it something with food? Was it just, you were doing even more? Do you think it was just, maybe it was like, like, I don't know, hormonal. Was it just something your body was catching up? Like, what do you think attributed to it? For me, it was, I think it was just, uh, it was the same workouts. Um, and I was eating probably a little better than just the easy Mac I was eating in my dorm room freshman year. Uh, but, uh, it it was strictly hormones and puberty. I think for me, uh, my body catching up with me finally. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, probably the same for me too. I know we were, we, you and I both seriously were late bloomers to the game. Like I, I know we shot up in height and weight and like everything across the board way late in the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, all of a sudden I could lift more, I could do more. And, uh, my bench got up to three sixty, and 
I've never a big backsquatter, uh, but my power clean uh, and my bench and everything I could just, I could just do, I could just lift more. And uh, that made it kind of more fun to lift. You saw the improvements and you saw the advancements coming. So then you just keep it going. And then what's it like lifting with a team like that around you? Because obviously you can contrast it when you graduated college and you go into a gym. Like what is the, what is the, the energy shift? Like how does the work change? Well, with the team, uh, everyone's got their squat rack and, uh, uh from left to right, uh, squat rack on the left is rack one, uh, two, three, four, five, uh, right. And three people do a rack. You're spotting each other. You're keeping each other going, change out weights faster, uh, everything. And rack one was the heaviest guys. Those were the heaviest weights. So you want to be on rack one. That's, that's your flex to be there. Uh, and then it goes down in line. So when you're lifting with the team, everyone's seeing what each other's, each other's lifting. Yeah. And just cause you're on rack one on Monday, doesn't mean you're going to be there on Wednesday. It's, it's by, by it's lift. by lift yeah. that you're doing. So when you're lifting with the team, every five pounds counts. Uh, if you're at 360 and they're at 355, you're on lat rack one and they're not. Um, so everyone all of a sudden is very competitive, pushing you, wanting you to do well. We're on the same team, but want to get your number also uh, and want to pass it. Huge community aspect and like healthy competition going on. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you were on rack one last week and all of a sudden someone maxed out and now you got booted, you kind of want to come after him <laughs> in, a, in a friendly way, but it's a little embarrassing too. Like, so I got to know like how, you know, I, I, I can imagine this always changes and stuff like that, but can you kind of walk us through like what a general lifting day would even kind of look like, like the pace, the types of sets that you're doing, like the type of movements that you guys are focused on. You remember the type of programming you were, you were put through? Yeah. Uh, well, it was, Pretty standard, but it would change in a mix, but the cores were consistent. So Mondays were power clean bench days. Uh, and it was a wonderful warm-up system. It was a wonderful uh, get-in-the-mood system. So you get in and you would do uh, leg swings and stretches. Uh, just get your body warmed up, get loose. Um, and then you grab five-pound uh, plates and you do all the shoulder swings and shoulder stretches. Get your tendons loose. Uh, and then you start with, we would do core. Uh, so then we get into abs and you had to do abs and sit-ups uh, to coach Spurlock's count um, to get your core warmed up. So it was a vivid uh, warm-up routine. Uh, but then jump into power cleans, uh, and which is critical for cheerleading what we're doing. And the coaches would always match the workouts to whatever sport you're in that you really need to right. hone in on. So mm-hmm. power cleans were critical for us. Uh, and power snatch. Um, and we would do power clean and right after power clean, you would jump into bench. Um, and that would be, uh, and then at the end of that, always ending with abs, uh, med ball throws, partner abs, uh, whatever it is, uh, or plank holds with a 45 pound weight on your back for five fucking minutes. Um, whatever it may be. Uh, but that was a typical Monday, uh, Wednesdays was a wad, whatever they throw at you, you do. Uh, sometimes it would be, uh, all right, here's all the reps that you're going to do. It's 600 reps of these 10 exercises. As soon as you do it, you're done. Um, and then Fridays were always uh, leg day. So that was always uh, squats um, and back squat and heavy on the legs. 
So, so you're telling me like on Monday, you literally do two movements. Oh yeah. Uh, but you do them. Moves. Yeah, that's it. No, those are your two powers. And then you focus on core. So what are like the rep, what are the rep schemes like? Like how long are you spending in the gym between those two movements? How much time? Uh, probably 20 to 25 minutes each, uh, muscle group. So 20 to 25 on power cleans and 20 to 25 on uh bench. Um, and it, everything would change. I mean, sometimes it would be five sets of low reps, low reps, high, high, high weight. Um, those are rare because they're not advisable, but it was great for your ego to throw on that heavy weight. <laughs> uh, then most of the time it was some sort of pyramid structure of, uh, uh, starting low weight, 15 reps, um, building up down to high weight for three reps and then building, dropping all the way back down to mm -hmm. where you're doing 20 reps to finish out. Mm -hmm. Uh, and those would be, you know, over six, seven, eight sets. Yeah. And then your wad higher reps, which I, when I hear 600 reps, I think most people are like, Whoa. That is excessive. But what are your thoughts on that? Uh, anything's excessive if you do it enough, uh, right? Uh, but when, if you think 600 is a lot, you just haven't done 500 yet. And <laughs> you, you, haven't done, <laughs> you haven't done 700. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, uh, you get used to it pretty damn quick. And once you get going, uh, it's the same thing when I run, right? If I go out and I, and I tell myself I'm going to do a three mile run, uh, mile two sucks and it's, and I'm tired. If I go out and I run a six, you know, I tell myself I'm doing a six mile run. Um, mile two is fine. Mile two is a warm up. Uh, it's just a mentality of where you put yourself. Truth. Truth. I think about that all the time. Like when I give myself certain, you know, like even a set range, you're like, oh, I'm doing 10 of these, right? And you do 10 with a certain weight. But then you're like, huh, I wonder if I said I was going to do 20 at the same weight, I could, I could do 20. Like simply by you telling yourself you're going to do a certain number, you just accept it. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's amazing when uh, you reset your benchmark of what your body can do. Because it's so easy to get in a routine. And that was, that's also what's great about having a coach. To, that sets your benchmarks and sets your weights and teammates. Uh, because in a, in a team, there's always someone that feels better and someone that wants to raise the weight and someone yeah. wants to raise the reps. Uh, and you don't, you don't have to then, the onus is not on you to bring your A game every day because someone's going to carry it and someone's going to get you there and someone's going to push you. So then you just feed off that. So there's like, I mean, there's days that you just don't have the energy yourself, right? But like, what does it just kick in? Cause you see that and you you get fired up. Yeah. I mean, someone's going to bring it and you, you can't not <laughs> match it. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not a choice. You're there the same amount of time for the same amount of reps. And if you try and sit down, uh, good fucking luck. Uh, <laughs> and, and this is, I know this is just university of Kentucky we're talking about, but, for my experience, but I think all great athletes and great teams with real cultures that talk about winning and the mentality and the mindset, mm -hmm. um, every, everyone has got a bad day. Uh, mm -hmm. you're not always going to be in the mood, uh, but you can get there. Uh, if your team comes ready, uh, and someone you'll always get there. Yeah.
Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that's huge because you're right. Like if you rely on your moods, and that's what's so that's what's so tough in like in like the normal world. I think it's at such a disadvantage because yeah, when you wake up, you have your work day, and you're like dragging yourself to the gym, right? And obviously, you're tired, and you've dealt with that. You had the transition, right? You don't have the team anymore, and now you're oh, relying yeah. on your mood, which is not great. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I felt it pretty hard uh, after UK. Uh, well, I did my MBA at University of Kentucky for my fifth year, and I did cheerleading with that also. And because of the way the class schedule worked as a one-year MBA program, I, I couldn't do the lifting program. Um, oh. So I was expected to lift on my own and then go to practice and do everything. So my my strongest year was definitely my senior year doing the lifting program uh and then you know immediately felt it on year five with uh without lifting i was still in plenty good shape you know you're still practicing mm-hmm. a ton but got out of the routine um and definitely pulled back and then so, uh college ended so so real quick though that 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 year you're getting your mba you're lifting on your own but you still have the same program right they give you the program right Sure. Yeah. What, I got a program. What changes though? So like, is it just the intensity? Is it like you're, you're just letting yourself take it easy a little bit more when you're lifting by yourself? Like what's, what's the difference? Um, no one, there's no one's looking at you, uh, to go that little extra mile. No one's, there's no peer expectation and I'm pretty good at pushing myself. I'm yeah. pretty good at going extra and doing more. Um, but there's that devil in your head when you're lifting and you're at that training level at anyone that's a training at a high level, there's a voice in your head that says, Hey, that's enough. Mm-hmm. You, you can stop. You can put it down. Like it's fine. And you got to back that guy away. Um, and it's real easy to quiet that voice down when you're around a team, when you're around a group, because uh, everyone can see it. Everyone can see you thinking about that voice, listening to it, uh, and they can stop you. Uh, they can get you out of it. Uh, when you're on your own, um, you can stop them nine times out of ten, but he will get you on the tenth, and it gets real easy to listen, and then once you listen once, you listen again. Um, so little, working out alone just gets real easy to start getting complacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that the, and, and and not that you'll get out of shape. You're still working out, uh, but you're not growing the way that you could. Yeah, yeah, it's a different level. It's a totally different place, a different intensity, a yeah. different feeling, right? But it's hard to get there. Oh yeah, it's hard to get there by yourself. I like. I know it's possible. There's people that do it, you know, and, and I totally take my hat off to them but uh, what you said is so on the money man uh that is huge uh so uh i before we transition because i mean i want to talk more about i want to talk more about lifting like your fitness journey too but like let's not pass over the fact that you won how many national championships before you left two two Two. national championships my man wins two national championships makes it to blue uh what year uh, my junior year. Junior year. So you got three years on blue. Yep. It's amazing. Which is like, which is huge. Cause I'm watching you right from Palatine high school. Can't do a backflip. And this guy gets yoked. <laughs> gets absolutely huge. 
becomes one of the one of the like one of the best on the team, right? Not just on the team. I think one of the best, like leading the team. And uh, you're huge. You're throwing standing fulls. You're tumbling. It's amazing. Like you, you turned into like one of the best. I, honestly, I think probably one of the best in the world at it when you were doing it. Well, I was on one of the best teams in the world, so it. Uh, then you're just expected to be at that level. But uh, there were guys on that team far better than me, which is what made me shoot for something and aim for it. Um, but I got to – my big goal was I always wanted to be an elite, which was one of the four guys on Nationals, Matt, that uh, throws the hardest stunt that you throw mm-hmm. during the competition. Um, and I got to do that for two years, um, my senior year and my year, my fifth year. Uh, during my MBA. And um, that was to me uh, the, the biggest honor I could get was uh, being an elite uh, for the University of Kentucky from going on white squad and almost being cut and not making the squad to being an elite. Um, it was, that was awesome. That's amazing. It was, it was really fun to watch. Like I, I remember getting emotional even watching your last year on that mat and especially, especially the senior year too, like seeing it. Um, it was, it was a huge accomplishment and like just to tie up, this growth, that's what I think is so important. And that I think some people that maybe haven't been in athletics or had that type of experience can't really understand how that helps you so much to elevate who you are individually, to have that team and community around you that's on the same page and pushes how you can't, like you said, they're watching you. They see you. They want you to win. They want you to grow. They're not going to let you fail. Right. And when you're not feeling it, they're going to get you in the zone. So you always have this support around you. And then I know it goes back and forth both ways. When you're feeling it, you give the energy. When you're not, you get it. It's always like a give and take for each other. Absolutely. And, you know, the beauty of the team environment that we had, um, like you said, we, we clearly all have the same goal. We wanted to be the best and we wanted to win. Um, and we wanted to grow our skills and we want to do that. But everyone brings their own approach to it, right? And we didn't. Uh, designate quote unquote captains like uh, a lot of teams do um, because everyone's a leader. Everyone brings something and everyone has to be a leader at some point during that season when you're working together as a team. Uh, and what was neat was everyone brought their own leadership and there's still all those debates and books about what makes the best leader and what individual characteristics of a person makes a good leader or not. Um, and I disagree with a lot of the books because I, I believe that, yeah, that might be a good person. Uh, but that person and with those leadership characteristics aren't right for every team. Mm. And that's what I think is wrong about designating captains uh, is you're hoping that you match up those leadership capabilities with the right culture of an entire team. And on our squad, some of the people that I, didn't like and didn't agree with how they led and didn't agree with how they carried themselves. Uh, and I thought they were, to be frank, assholes. Looking back on it, were some of the most influential people and people that drove the team hardest. And then there were other people that were quieter leaders and led by example. And then there were really hard workers like me, who I didn't talk much, but I just worked hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the blend is what made everybody feel like a leader and uh, everyone got their say and that pushed the team. 
I, I mean, that that's amazing. I mean, gosh, that's got to carry into your professional career now. I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that it wouldn't. Uh, which let's let's talk about that transition because because now we fast forward. I don't know, ten years or so. You are uh, now you're a CRO, so you're an executive uh, for a company, and you you do lead a team. And I mean, how does this? How how has that leadership? Uh, I guess what you've learned in cheerleading, how has it translated over for you as a leader now? Oh, I mean, cheerleading changed my life uh, physically and mentally and uh, just being able to bring out my personality and relate to people and set a common goal. And it's the same stuff, different day uh, with, uh, with business or on a team competing. Uh, find your objective, find your goal. Uh, and then go back to the fundamentals. And that's what we always said at Kentucky. Fundamentals first. Uh, do the fancy stuff later. Um, and then bring everyone with you. You're only as good as your weakest link. Uh, and absolute responsibility was a letter and a uh, note, a lesson that we had to read our entire team every year at camp. Um, that we accept absolute responsibility. There's no excuses. The world doesn't know you shit. Get out there. And if you want it, you got to figure it out. And you got to figure it out with the resources that you have. Mm. Um, and you got, you got to build a team to be able to do that. Um, and with business, building a sales team, building an operations team, setting goals, targets, and objectives, reaching for further than you think you can. Um, all those things are really realistic. If you just step back, start at the basics, build a plan, work the plan. That's it. Work the plan. Work the plan. I love that. And how is it? How is your? How is your training life adapted post college? That was a learning curve. Uh, you know, I think like a lot of people, just when you're young, you're young. You have great metabolism, and you're playing. You're outside, and you're doing athletics in high school. Um, and then in college, I was getting bigger and stronger. Then all and and working out and being in shape was just a side effect of doing everything else I was doing in life. It was just a side effect. Uh, sure, I was lifting with cheerleading, but it's because I was in cheerleading. It was a side effect. Um, so, so college what, ended. So, what you're, so what you're saying? Well, I mean, in uh, in other words, I mean, what you're saying is you 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 in your head, if I, if I'm understanding right, you weren't saying I want to get bigger. I want to weigh two thirty. I need to have this many. You were just doing the work. And as a byproduct, this happened and you're like, oh, cool. This is great. (laughs) No, absolutely. I didn't even know how strong or big I was. Mentally, I didn't realize that I was bigger. And because my entire life up until this point, until I graduated, I was just putting on weight. I was just getting bigger. This was natural. This is just what happens. Mm -hmm. This is growing up. (laughs) And then college ended and there was no programs. There was no weightlift programs. Mm-hmm. There was no uh, school gym. I'm in the business world. I'm traveling for work. I don't have to show up to workouts. I don't have to go to practice. This is kind of nice. This is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you deserve this, Chris. Let's take a little break. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so we did. Uh, we took about a three or four year break um, from lifting and working out and my clothes always my clothes didn't change my clothes was i was still wearing the same clothes i was like that's fine see look at this uh, i was still hovering right around 200 uh which i 
was telling, I was at like two oh nine, two ten, my NBA year. Um, so I dropped dropped a little of that last year. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's fine. Nothing's changing. But then I started seeing photos, and uh, uh, while I was still wearing the same clothes, they didn't fit right, and I was uh, not exactly the same body composition, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I... So, <laughs> so there was one day. Um, I'm running through the that hit me. I'm running through the Atlanta airport. I'm late for my flight. Um, and I need to, the gate's going to shut in like five minutes. And if you've been to Atlanta airport, it's not exactly a fun time. So I'm running through the airport and I got to run to my gate. It's about maybe a quarter mile jog down uh, from the wall, the tram over there. And, uh, I get on my seat, I make it, I get into my seat and I am heaving and like that burn in my throat that I haven't felt for years. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm no longer in shape. I'm not that guy anymore. I can't just wing it. Uh, so then immediately, as soon as I got home, I got off that flight of LA uh, from Atlanta. And I said, okay, I'm going to start running. I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to get myself back to being in shape and being an athlete. And I need to take this into my own hands. So I told myself I was just going to wake up and start running a mile a day. Um, that's what I started doing. I remember that. I remember the turning point. There's always a turning point, man. Cause I, I hear about this a lot with like athletes that, uh, college athletes, uh, that have the same, a similar experience that you had. Cause you had all this structure, all the resources and you're in shape. Cause you have, like you said, a byproduct, you're just doing all this work. Right. And, uh, it just leads to good things and not having it. Uh, I think, I mean, it's so common. Why wouldn't you be like, yo, I need to rest. Like my schedule was crazy. You were working so hard. So yeah, like let's, let's scale back a little bit, but then you get into a new habit, uh, and then something clicks. So you, you're like, all right, let's do this. We're going to do a mile a day. Uh, but that's like a humbling journey. No, I mean, to be where you, right. I mean, where you were, where, you know, you're like, I mean, I'm throwing around power cleans. Like it's nothing right. Top of the game. How do you even get yeah. yourself to grapple? Cause I think people struggle with that too. I'd be like, I got to almost start over in a way. Like, how do you even grapple that mentally to be okay with it? Make a plan, have a goal, work the plan. There you go. That's it. There you go. So for me, I knew I didn't have a gym anymore. Um, I knew I didn't have, well, there are gyms around, but I travel a lot for work. I'm always in hotels. I'm always on the road. Um, I was like, I can't lift. Uh, I can't, the way that I was, the way that I knew and how I was trained. But every hotel, even bad ones, have treadmills. And even if they don't have that, there's always a road. So I told myself, I know I can run. I know I can do this. Like, this is something I can always rely on. So let's start and then let's make a goal. Uh, So I think I called you up and uh, we found a Charlotte half marathon. um, And I think it was about February. Um, I was like, Hey, I need a goal. And you were living in Charlotte at the time. And you said you would help me out and do it with me. And so then I just, uh, made a plan, wrote up a training plan for a half marathon and worked the plan. And we did it. We did the half raced it with you. You do it. And then what happens after that? How many races have you done since then? I've done the Charlotte 
three times, half marathon, three times. Um, I just did the Austin marathon, half marathon, actually this, uh, weekend, two days ago, um, or yesterday actually. Well, and, uh, PR in, right. Yeah. I uh, broke my PR by, uh, 20 seconds. So uh, still, still win. And I did the Chicago, uh, full marathon. I've done one full. Yeah. Which I was there for that. Uh, that, that, sh- that Chicago full marathon, like I got emotional watching you cross the finish line. That was cool. Me too. <laughs> that was cool. I loved it. Cause I, cause I remember this journey and I was like, God, this dude fought to get here. But this is like, this is what, this, this is what I love about you. And I think it's, it's such a theme with your life of, it's not about that. It's been easy, right? Like nothing, nothing coming your way has been easy. Uh, and I don't think you ever sought it out to be easy. But the one thing that you did was always you looked at something and as soon as you were like, I got to either I got to make a change or I want something or I want to be here. You, you your level of persistence and just you get so locked in with, I think, mastering those fundamentals and then being so consistent that it's like eventually I'm getting this. And it's like, I don't, I yeah. don't know when it's going to happen, but it's like I'm just going to put in. This, these building blocks, like you said, a mile a day, small, small things all the time, routinely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't tell you, Joe, if I just had to go back and repeat and reiterate, like you're saying, uh, it doesn't come easy and it doesn't, but it feels like it does sometimes the work you gotta be willing to put in the work. If you're not willing to put in the work and then just, call it quits right there but you just got to be willing to write the right plan for yourself mentally and i think so many people uh stop at step at step b uh they're like okay i want a beginning and an end i'm here i want to get to here and i'm not there yet shit (laughs) and and they stop at a two-point plan there's there's a beginning and their end and an end and they that's their plan. It's two points. Um, and that's not how life works. There's where you are and there's going to be a dozen on the low side, a dozen things that you got to do to get to where you want to be. And if you're willing to sit down and write those down and commit to those yourself and then reward yourself for doing those things along the way, um, things mentally anyways, start looking easy to you because you're not, you're not conquering Rome. Uh, you're not blowing oceans. It's, it's actually a realistic thing that you're doing. And then you're following your outline and you get to reward yourself along the way. How do you reward yourself with like the running and stuff? Like, what do you mean? Like, give me an example. Like, how did you help yourself out? For me, the biggest reward was always the mental aspect of just doing it on your own. Um, and knowing that you did it, uh, that was enough reward. Uh, for me always, uh, well, the first time I ran 10 miles, first time I ran six miles, first time I did a 5k, uh, it was always enough for me to just say, okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm making my progress. I'm doing this on my own and I'm, I'm getting there. And, uh, but you, it's unrealistic to go from, all right, I'm going to run a mile to then run 10. Um, but you need to start and you need to see those progressions and you need to know that you're improving. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a human mistake, man. Like the, all right, I want this. And you, you think you want it tomorrow. Um, you know, and it, it, I've been that way, but you know, as I've gotten older too, and I think maybe some perspective and, uh, and all that, you, you realize like that journey is, 
it's like that's the whole that's the whole thing. I'm like this is like the fun of it all, right? Like you doing the mile a day that that is the story. Like that's the process. Like that's the beautiful aspect of it. And then having the accomplishment is just like this cool culmination, right? Uh, yeah. And and you just got to fucking start. If there's anyone out there, if anyone listens to this and is like, okay, well, I'm going to write the plan and I'm going to get geared up and I'm going to get ready. Right. Um, don't analysis paralysis does not help anybody. Uh, when I said I did that mile a day, I, I knew I needed to get in shape. I, it was an easy goal for me to set for myself. And I rolled out of bed that next morning. And I ran, um, and I, and I started thinking about like, well, maybe I got the wrong shoes. Maybe I got the wrong this. And then you get reading about it. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that analysis paralysis of, oh, I need the right gear. I need this. I need that. I need this before I do this. And almost like they're running the marathon before they've even trained. <laughs> and don't do that. Just grab whatever shit you have and just start. Um, and things you'll grow and you'll learn along the way. Uh, but you need to start. Uh, and then the rest comes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's an important thing to remember with everything. Uh, cause you're right. Starting new things I know is scary, right? I don't care what it is, right? Even outside, it's not even just about the gym. Uh, I want to learn guitar, right? You want to learn a new skill, new language. Uh, it is intimidating up front. And, uh, but what the gym has taught me is, is exactly what you said that if you start, and you just stay consistent. You just say, I'm going to be here at these times. I'm going to commit to this. You do, you evolve during the, uh, uh, how could you not, right? It's almost like not a choice. You will learn, you will pick up, you will observe, and then you will make changes, right? So instead of, sure. instead of, I need the right plan before I get started, it's like, yo, just, just go, just go. Like, yeah, you'll, you'll figure even, out the right plan. Even make a bad plan. Uh, if, if you have any it. outline of a any outline of a plan and you start, there's no rule saying you can't change the plan, but you got it going and you learn and then keep moving. Amen. That that's why like the gym has taught me so much, you know, obviously I do it professionally, but that's like one of the biggest things is like, even where I sit today as, as many hours and as many, as much as I've studied, I am learning something new in the gym every single freaking day. And I'm not, it's not a cliche. I'm dead serious. Like about myself about the clients I work with, there's something new you pick up and then you change and you add it to your repertoire. So it's like this forever thing. And I think where you get hung up, people get hung up in this. I'm going to have it all figured out and ironed out and I'm not going to have to learn anything else. I'm a master at this. And like, you almost want that up front, but we all have to understand that that's, we are students forever, forever. And I think those are the best people that come in with like this optimism and they love the work because it's like, yeah, this is great. I get to learn new things and new skills and like uh, continue to evolve. Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, uh, I'm finding my next thing now. Now I'm ready to get my itch back into cross training rather than uh, running um, and move into different aspects of fitness on the journey. And now I have my own motivation and it's away from the team. It's not University of Kentucky and it doesn't need that energy uh, anymore. But I found my spark and my, I found how to make my uh, fitness and athletic journey part of my life uh, instead of a byproduct of my life that was just there for me. And now 
now it's now it's a real habit and now it's part of me and now it's a routine and now it's in my day-to-day life even with the demands of being an executive i mean we're making this a prior is this like where is this on your priority list like just in your life just the, the health and wellness training and all that stuff how do you view it fitting into the big picture well again kind of what i said it's i don't like I personally don't like that when people are like, well, you got to make it a priority. Uh, that almost makes it sound like it's a, it's, um, job it is an option. Yeah, yeah. It's an option. It's a job and it's something that you can't throw in or you can't, but, um, if it's important to you and you really actually think about the fundamentals of fitness, which before, and as an athlete is about getting stronger, is about being bigger to be able to do things better. To me now it's about being healthy to be able to do what you want to do and live the life that you want to live. Um, and when you start working on, you start your fitness journey, uh, you can tell, um, pretty quick when you stop, uh, just for five days, uh, sometimes even two or three, when you don't use your muscles, uh, you can almost feel them, uh, getting smaller. (laughs) And, and, and you need to use them and then you feel them and you know that you're there, uh, you're not withering away. And, uh, so to me, it's not a priority thing of where it is in my life. It's just, uh, it's important. And I, when I don't work out, I'm, I know, and I in my head, I'm not doing this proactively, but in my head, I know how many days it's been since my last workout. Uh, and then it's itching at me and I need to do it again. Mm -hmm. And it turns into like, turn. does it turn into like an energy thing for you a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think anybody that's fallen off the workout train, you know how quick you are to lose it, uh, and how hard it is to gain it. Um, so the last thing you want to do is, uh, stop and lose it. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously there's something to be said about just, you know, momentum, uh, consistency, um, and it's, it's slow progressions, uh, but then there's exponential growth related to it, right? You kind of start small, but then it starts stacking up pretty quick. Um, but I, I, I do want people to just understand exactly what you said that like, you know, look, like you said, you're not maybe hitting the PRs that you did in college, right? But who, who cares that it, it, it's, it's evolving, it's changing to fit your life now. Uh, and that, it, that it's like an energy thing, a mood thing. Right. Cause I can imagine, like you said, you, when you don't, when you aren't like moving around, you feel sluggish. I think it impacts probably the rest of your day, right? Like other aspects of your life. Absolutely. And you just, yeah, a new PR on bench isn't going to do any good for me. Um, but I have different goals. Um, whereas back then getting stronger was important. Now it's, some of them are selfish, but I want to look good for, uh, the person I'm with for Zosha. I want to look good at the beach. I want to feel good. I want to be able to, go travel and go hike. And, uh, I, I want those things. I want to live a long time and fitness yeah. is part of that. I dude, I love it. I think this was, I had a lot of fun talking to you about this stuff, man. I, we talk about this stuff a lot, but this was really cool. Um, I, I think we should have you back on. Like, I think it'd be fun to even talk more about like the weight room and a little bit more about your journey and just like kind of what the, in, the inner dealings of Kentucky was like, um, to learn even more about it. But, um, Thank you for all of this, man. Thank you for being on. First show of the year. Yeah, uh, it was a pleasure being on. And uh, 
if you ever want any weightlifting tips, Joe, I know you can uh, use some. I'm happy to help you out. Yeah, you're on speed dial, dude. I'll give you a call real quick. Uh, All right. <laughs> before we part, do you have any final words of wisdom or any piece of advice that you heard that was that was given to you that you think this audience would just love to hear? Yeah, I think any. I was thinking about this before I got on. Um, I'm watching Tom Brady's Man in the Arena right now um and not too long ago i watched the last dance and not too long before that i uh with michael jordan for anyone that hasn't and uh then i had watched a clip of kobe uh, also and then also a clip of uh tiger woods all all the goats all, all the greats um and similar to what i said about leadership um i i like picking up on patterns on things um of people that do wonderful things and you know, what? one thing that all of those people said was uh, talent fades or eventually everyone else else catches up. Um, the one thing all of them and all of us, any of us um, can have is the work ethic to make a plan, work a plan, and hit your goal. And that's what those people did better than anybody in their field. Um, and it's great because it's not anything that we don't have. Everyone's got the ability to make a plan and work hard. So if you're thinking about it, just go do it. There you go. Love that, man. Love that. Chris, thank you again, man. This was a lot of fun. We'll definitely have you back on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. You are the best. My brother, Chris Rodonis, thank you again. Uh, signing off. We'll see you next time. Love you, brother.